getting you through your workday one hour at a time. This is Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. G'day team, welcome to your Tuesday. We'll hit the 13th of June. Is that Black Tuesday or is it just when it's the 13th as a Friday? Nah, it's a good Tuesday. <clears throat> good Tuesday. Interesting topics today. Um, shortly we're going to be talking to Duncan Grieve about NZR Plus. Some of you may have seen that story. It's quite thorough. He's very well connected, Duncan Grieve. He's the founder of the spin-off, um, which is a fantastic new site. And that's not an advertisement, I just like it. They're very... A lot of different opinions, and, and Duncan's done a lot of work on NZR Plus, which might or will change the way we watch our rugby um, and hopefully open the doors to a little bit of the behind the scenes. You know, I've long said that we just watch their games and we don't know anything else about them. It's quite sanitised, it's quite wooden, it's quite stilted, um, and we just don't see the personalities behind the great game of rugby union and the indications are that the All Blacks, Black Ferns, All Black Sevens might change their broadcasting model when the broadcast uh, deal with Sky is up at the end of 2025. So we'll talk to Duncan about that shortly and keen to get your thoughts after I've spoken to him <clears throat> about what you think it might look like, whether you like it, uh, what you don't like about it. After one o'clock, after I've finished with the bevy of your calls and text messages, um, we're going live to Greg Alexander out of Australia, of course, a former Warrior and New South Wales half, and they've made changes to the halves of the Blues. Nico out, Mitch in. Why? How hard was it? What goes through the selection process? Um, and that's next week, isn't it, Sam, the uh, State of Origin? Next Wednesday, Wednesday week. So we're very much looking forward to talking to one of my favourite former Warriors, Greg Alexander. We'll do our usuals, catching up with Brendan Popplewell from the DAB. Of course, at, um, in 25 minutes, I think it is, yes, Miami-Denver. Um, and potentially the last game of the NBA Finals, unless Miami can pull one out of the hat. Find out what's making news, of course. We've got the great man, Job Magnus, from Magnus Benro, who's just a huge supporter of sport and racing and has been for a long, long time. We had him in studio about three months ago and I said, tell you what, bring him back. I've got a few questions for him. I've got a few more questions for him. So he's going to pop in. And after we've spoken to him, we're going to catch up with uh, Vania Wolfgram. She is with uh, Auckland Marist Rugby Club and they were one of the recipients of the Bunnings Rugby Assist. Always like catching up with people that are dealing with the grassroots of rugby. Bunnings have jumped on board and I believe they've given away about 300 grand a year to help uh, community clubs 
and in particular I think the focus at the moment is um, getting them up to standard to embrace the the overwhelming numbers of women that are, and girls that are taking part in rugby. So a lot of the rugby clubs uh, were pretty much set up predominantly for men. Um, so we'll just find out how much, uh, how this money is going to change life for the women's rugby players at Auckland Marist Rugby Club. That'll be about quarter past, 20 past two. And as per usual, we'll have a look back in the day before we wrap it all up. But to kick us off, and I do want your calls after we've spoken to this uh, gentleman, done it for a little while and he's written this wonderful piece. He is the founder of The Spin-Off. This is on NZR Plus and how we might be watching our rugby and he joins us now. Welcome in, Duncan Grieve. Kia ora, mate. Thanks for having me. Um, it's very, very interesting, may I say, that uh, what we might be looking at in the future of how we might be watching our rugby, um, stories behind rugby, this NZR Plus, in your basic vocabulary, can you tell us what this may look like in the next couple of years? Yeah, well, probably the best place to start is what it will look like immediately and then move into what it would look like further down the track. So a source familiar with the project told me that when it starts, and it will start before this year's World Cup, so this is coming very quickly, it will basically be a, a home for behind-the-scenes footage, really a lot of the kind of things you might already see on social media, and you'll have to register to view it. So, you know, you think a few um, fans and a lot of um, you know, kids might, might sign up to, to watch that. But the real end game is actually a few years out when uh, their, their current Sky deal expires, and, and it's by no means certain that, that, that they do this in New Zealand, but certainly it's very likely that they do it overseas. Uh, when they will start to sell uh, live and archive footage of All Blacks, Blackburns, uh, you know, New Zealand Seven teams uh, to direct to the audience through, through a platform called NZR Plus. So at the moment with Sky as the broadcaster, I'm thinking if the UK, <clears throat> excuse me, if the UK want to watch the game they give Sky Television some money to take their pictures into their countries around the world. Is that is that how it's set up now? I think you, that Sky has the rights for New Zealand and that the New Zealand rugby would sell the rights to the New Zealand-based games uh, separately to, to a UK broadcaster, but there probably is a... A revenue share with Sky in return for you know if, if the UK broadcaster doesn't send the commentary team, then they'll take the Sky package, and I think that's actually quite a, a crucial part of it. That even if New Zealand Rugby were to start selling the game direct to fans um, here or overseas, you probably wouldn't want New Zealand Rugby employing the commentators because it would get very uh, you know you're very familiar with with the kind of um, fairly bland commentary you get when, when everyone's on the same team effectively. So, you know, you're, there's likely still a role for a broadcaster in there. It's just the extent of the role. And, you know, for example, there might be a scenario where Sky retained the rights to New Zealand, but that the but New Zealand rugby can sell a separate package as well, or Sky retains the rights to New Zealand, but uh, New Zealand rugby, NZR Plus, is available in all over the world outside of, say, Australia, France, the UK, you know, the really big rugby market. So there's a potential that income from broadcast uh, capabilities with Sky could go down? 
Yeah, you think if I mean if you're Sky and and you know you'll you'll want to hold on to basically anything. Ideally, you you keep the, the same situation as you have now. But say um, you know say, say New Zealand Rugby opts to split the rights. You know, new, you know even TVNZ news came out last week that it's launching a new sports hub. Maybe it wants to put some games on free to wear to make them more accessible to people. Maybe it wants to let Sky keep selling through its uh, services, but it also wants to have its own in competition. Well, Sky might say, "We'll we'll pay you for that. We just won't pay you as much." And uh, and that's kind. Of, I think probably the world that we're heading into is a bit more of a fragmented world where the same product can be accessed a few different ways. So a few years ago, or not that many years ago, Sky. Sorry, New Zealand Rugby bought into Sky. Um, should that have been a precursor to what's going on now, or is that completely separate? I mean, that was. I sometimes think that that's been misconstrued a bit. It's less about New Zealand Rugby buying into Sky than Sky giving them some shares as a way of trying to make the relationship closer and more sticky. Um, you know, like it, it, was, it was. I think it was very much Sky you know, part of Sky's thinking um, in that respect. So, you know, like, and, and people have said, why why would New Zealand Rugby undermine Sky? They're a shareholder in it. But the, the value of their shares in Sky is comparatively low compared to the income that they get from right. New Zealand, uh, you know, from Sky. And furthermore, that the, the people who made that deal in 2019, that's a, it's a different group in charge now, um, both in terms of, at New Zealand Rugby, but particularly in terms of Silver Lake, who are the really the people driving this. They're a giant global investment company with a lot of sports investments, and this really is their playbook. We're starting to see, um, you know, after the big, you'll remember the big Silver Lake deal last year. This is the first kind of glimpse of it in a kind of strategic way. I think the the good thing out of this, uh, in my first scan of it, is. is probably going to address one of my criticisms that we we are kept at arm's length we being the media and therefore we're the conduit to the fan uh, the viewer the listener and we don't hear anything and we're, all, we're kept in the dark is this an opening of the doors letting us somewhat into the inner sanctum of the behind the scenes stuff to give us a better understanding and therefore develop a better connection well, I think that's a really good and interesting question, and, and it really depends on how they execute it. You'll remember a few years ago, uh, Amazon Prime did a sort of what was supposed to be a warts and all behind the scenes view of the All Blacks that was pretty roundly panned by by people who saw it, which wasn't all that many, because it really didn't feel like it revealed a whole lot. And there has been a long for a long time a sense that New Zealand rugby and the All Blacks in particular have you know, have basically been fairly cynical about the right of, of media or fans to kind of get a real sense of, you know, who who the All Blacks are and that they, they haven't said a lot when they've been interviewed and so on. And I think the big thing that's changed there is the rise of, um, you know, trying to survive the, the F1 series on Netflix, which has been a sensation and has really changed the, the, the scale and scope of F1 in, in the US in particular. And now everyone looks at that and says, well, actually, that's the model. And if you want to do it, you actually have to really show what's going on, show the conflicts and so on. So it depends on how they execute it. I've never seen New Zealand rugby create compelling content um, outside of the games themselves. I just don't think that they know how to do it or even want to do it particularly. But uh, Silver Lake will push them very hard there because if you look at some of the other things they're invested in, particularly the likes of the UFC, 
NBA, they're just real masters at creating um, you know, content that, that actually gets people really interested and engaged. This could make some of the, uh, what's the polite word, long-term staff at New Zealand Rugby Union a little bit uneasy who have been comfortable behind their um, impenetrable doors. Yeah, potentially. I think that this is an organisation, you know, remember that has a very complicated ownership structure, a very unconventional one by, by sports organisation standards, and that it is actually owned by the rugby clubs, of, of you know, the, the rugby unions of New Zealand, sorry. And that means that it doesn't behave like a, an ordinary commercial organisation might. It can't be as dynamic. It has to bring a lot of what are some you know, provincial and conservative institutions along with it. So sometimes I think it can be a bit hard for us to kind of, you know, understand that from the outside, all those forces acting on New Zealand rugby. But, you know, this to me is really where they need to be going. You know, I think for a long time we've said, oh, they, you know, the All Blacks brand is fantastic. And, and, it, and it is, but really everything apart from the All Blacks brand kind of suffered by the emphasis that was placed on it. And I think products like this allow you to have more diversified, more diversified revenue and to get a real sense of, you know, how the, the how fans respond to a, a broader set of, of teams and, and products. So, you know, it's, it's taken them a while, but it does look like they're starting to move in the same direction to me. Uh, we're talking to Duncan Grieve, founder of the spin-off. Last thing, Duncan, I know the listeners will want to know, what do you think it will mean for them? How much they are going to have to spend to continue watching rugby? And I know it's early days and we don't know how it's going to land in the fullness of time, but... The Sky broadcast deal comes to an end at the end of 2025, which will be upon us before we know. Do you think we might have to pay more or we'll pay more and get more access? How do you think it will fall? Well, it it is a bit hard to know because when you look at the similar products that uh, Silver Lake has has rolled out around the world or some of the teams it's invested in, you know, you, you can get access to Manchester City or to the New York Knicks for pretty affordable prices by comparison to, to Sky. You know, we're talking like, you know, 8 or, or $10 a month kind of thing. But they are dynamically a bit different. They're one team in a big league, uh, you know, where, where the, you know, so it's, it's a little bit different to the, the sort of scale and importance of the All Blacks to this organisation. I would think that if it were to be fully rolled out, it probably would be a little bit above that. But I think the most likely thing if I had to pick is that it actually won't be a product that's aimed at or available to New Zealanders in the first instance. I think Sky will have at least one one other go on it. Because if you're Sky and you lose the All Blacks, do you still have a business? I'm not sure that you do. So their incentive to really pay almost whatever it takes to retain the rights is, is pretty strong. So it's more about all black and, and Blackburn fans around the world who right now maybe they you know it might be quite hard or even impossible for them to, to watch games but they've got this you know almost like a Netflix type subscription might be 10 or 15 dollars a month that they can um, watch a whole bunch of games from anywhere in the world and that'll be a pretty great way for New Zealand rugby to recognize and monetize that uh, that global distributed fan base. And, and finally, do you think that it's just black juicy stuff, so all blacks, black ferns, all black sevens, or will it be super rugby? Will it be NPC, Farah Palmer Cup, super rugby, Opiki? Do you think it'll reach that far? So my understanding, based on you know, a conversation with someone familiar with the project, is that it is about the teams in black. 
Um, that's, that's the phrase they use. So my thinking is that it would initially be that. However, they might well, you know, look to launch, you know, once they've proved this, once they've proven the technology and they've got a uh, sort of an audience that are into it, why wouldn't you sell a Super Rugby product? Why wouldn't you sell an NPC product? Um, maybe it's an add-on. Maybe it's maybe you can buy the provincial and, and Super Rugby level thing separately. But really, this is the start of them learning how to sell not to a giant broadcaster who then takes the risk and the upside, but direct to fans themselves so that they, you know, uh, that New Zealand Rugby itself starts to own a lot more of that relationship and and ultimately the, the profit they can make on the back of it. Duncan Grieve, brilliant. Thanks for the explanation. Um, it's very much a watch this space, but uh, my first reaction is I think it's going to be a good thing as long as it's not too bloody expensive. <laughs> Thank, thanks heaps for joining us today. No, no, no problem at all. Thanks, Dave. There is Duncan Grieve. Um, interesting, eh? Um, it's going to change, but not rapidly. I feel like it's not going to be a rapid change. Um, more access to behind the scenes more access to, can we call it like human interest stories? I think that's a good thing. Um, and really, that, that drive to survive, Netflix documentary, has changed expectation of public and it's increased engagement of public and we've since seen full swing with golf. We've seen the tennis one. Um, they've done a Six Nations one that hasn't come out yet. I've, I'm two and a half episodes into the Tour de France one, which came out last week on Netflix. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. And I am genuinely excited that this will expand reach and conversations about the game of rugby uh, emanated from New Zealand. Um, So that's a good thing. What are your reactions off the back of that chat with Duncan Grieve? Love to hear your comments. 0800 150 811. And if you were on the advisory board, what sort of content do you think you'd like to see in there? We've got some good business minds out there as well, as well as rugby fans, etc. cetera. Uh, Ken Texton saying, Staffy, did you see the sky viewing figures of last weekend's Super and NRL games? Uh, and they've been similar all season. Very interesting. It is. Um, interesting to me, Ken, because about... I'm going to say five, six years ago, Super Rugby ratings far outweighed the NRL. And now, if you're saying there's parity, um, so there has been a shift. There has been a shift. Anyway, 0800 150 811. Love to hear your reaction. Helping you tune out your annoying workmate. You're listening to Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Oh eight hundred one five zero eight eleven is the number to call, or if you can't get to the phone, I'm happy to take your texts on the subject double eight double three on the changing potential changing landscape of how we watch our rugby in the future and how the rest of the world can watch our black jerseys uh, go about their craft. Finn's called in. G'day, Finn. Yeah, g'day, mate. Um, yeah, my my view on why. Super Rugby's been slowly dying with regards to numbers at games, and that is um, is right down to um, the old corporate giant Sky TV. Um, they they dictate, I guess, I'm assuming when these the Super Games are played. Um, 
seven, you know, seven o'clock kickoffs, half past seven kickoffs on a Saturday, Friday, Sunday, Friday, Saturday. Um, who wants again? Who wants to be out in the bitter cold weather with their kids at half past seven on a on a Friday, Saturday night in the in the winter through to half past nine at night? But it's been proven that time and time again, go full cycle, go back to afternoon kickoffs. Be that four at four o'clock, half past three, you get the kids, you get the families there in this glorious sort of winter weather that we've got it got at the moment. But um, Sky TV knows that people rather be at home on a Friday, Saturday night at that time of night. So hence, to me, that's why the games are played at that time of night. Yeah, look, my understanding was when they started with this <clears throat> seven, well, less day games and more night games was about time zones. And when there was the Sanzar agreement, most of the broadcast money was coming out of South Africa just based on population. So that time of night here in New Zealand meant the South Africans could watch. If you have a 2.30 or 3 o'clock, it, it's not as watchable. So the numbers will be down. They're not part of the equation anymore. And I'm with you. And, and you can only relate it to yourself. When I was a kid, and I was, as people know, a rampant Manawatu fan. It was 2.30 kickoffs, and I'd go with my mates or I'd go with my dad. Um, if I'm seven, eight years old, he's not taking me to a 7.30 game in Palmy, which is cold at the best of times and windy. And, and I'm with you. Um, we need some – and it's not that radical, Finn, is it, to say let's – No, and, and can I say something else? It's like it's full circle, Staffy. It's um... – when I, when my dad took me to games, or when I went to games as a young fella, you had you had a game before that. You had the bees playing, or you have a club team playing. There's there's nothing happening prior to the game that I want to watch. I'd love to see a, a club game being played in front of that huge crowd, so that they get the experience, or or a first fifteen, or, or something other than this other. <laughs> BS entertainment that or no non entertainment, you know, bring a bring a game, a pre game, an A or a B game, whatever happens, but do something. Yeah, well, schools are playing, clubs are playing. Give them give them their moment. Like the players would love it. Some clubbies would come yeah. down and watch it. And I know the people that are going to watch the the Blues and the Chiefs or whatever. Um, they they may not go to watch the start, but they'll be there for the second half, and then you can go and. Just bloody enjoy it. Exactly. Make it an experience. It's not an experience anymore. Rugby used to be a, a whole family package, but it's not. It's dictated, again, the old juggernaut Sky TV. And times, and as you rightly said, and, and it didn't have to be without saying, there's no time zones that we're bowing to now. No, no, that's it. That's it. Great call, Finn. Thanks for calling up, buddy. Thanks, mate. Cheers, buddy. This is Finn from Whakatane. We'll take a break for news. Paul from Northland's online. You can join him. 0800 150 We'll be back after Johnny Mac. Oh eight hundred one five zero eight eleven is the number to call in on. Paul from Northland, g'day, Paul. G'day, Steffi. Um, just a few points. Um, 
I don't want to burst Finn's bubble there, mate, but I don't think the weather's got anything to do with people not going, mate. I mean, if you can't go along on a cold night to support your team, um, well, then, you know, you've got to question yourself whether you're a, you're a fan. So, to me, that's just a cop-out. Um, you know, I, I'm a member of the Warriors, and, you know, we I've sit next to people that fly up from Bluff every game, mate, and they'll, they'll wow. sit there in the, when the rain's coming sideways, mate. So, you know, if you can't do that, well... Um, you know, that's just a bit of a cop-out. But this, to me, this is just the start of New Zealand rugby selling their soul to, to Silver Lake. You know, Silver Lake, don't, they don't care about the Blues playing the Drua. They don't care about Northland playing Southland, mate. They couldn't give a toss, mate. It's all about the All Blacks, and it's the only thing they care about, mate. So, as you know, domestic rugby clubs are folding. Yep. They're struggling. Super Rugby's struggling for, for viewers. Clubs are folding and so forth. NPCs, no one understands. And this is as far as I'm concerned, mate. Yeah, I had a text in here saying the only problem with early games is club rugby is still on. Um, if I cast my back, my mind back all that time ago, when there was an NPC game on in Palmy, club games were at 11 o'clock, so they'd be done by 1, and then you can get to the game at 2.30, and all the clubs went along as well. Um, but do, do you feel uh, like something needs to be done, though, Paul? Well, what can they do? I mean, there's a saying, you know, you know, the golden rule, he who has the gold makes the rules. And unfortunately, when you when you take the 200 odd million, which is probably gone by now, to be honest, mate, mm. and there's no, no nothing to show for it, you know, they've just invested 14 million in women's rugby, which uh, I can't see any return on investment there. So when you take the, the, the money um, and you sell your soul, mate, um, you know, it's, it's just disregard for those who follow rugby, those passionate people, the rusted on people. Um, but I, I honestly can't, I mean, I talk to people and they say they don't watch rugby anymore for whatever reason, you know. It, it's it's boring, it's this and that. There's too much whistle, too much interference, people getting turned off. So, but their answer to it, mate, is just to, you know, follow the big corporate who basically will, will own them surely and tell them what to do as, as you can see what's coming. Yeah, yeah, I take your points, Paul. Thanks for calling us today, bud. Thanks, mate. Cheers. There's Paul. Christchurch Mikey. Jesus, these Warriors fans are hard people, aren't they? You wouldn't get me in sideways rain. I'm at the pub or, or, my, or my home bar. My yeah. God. Um, I only caught the start and the end of your uh, interview, but um, did I hear correctly that the guy that you interviewed was saying this is kind of a, this is what Silver Lake do? This is part of their process? Yeah. Did I hear that correctly? So, yeah, and I think, I think, and again, we're guessing a little bit because it's just, Early early stages, but it's more about um, making money. They're an investment company. They they're there to make money yep. off the international market, not necessarily the New Zealand market. But news, using the New Zealand product that is our teams that wear the black jersey and marketing it out to the world. Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, these sort of things are inevitable. I, th- I believe, and I'm not sure how they do it, but there's a, like is it the Manchester United TV mm-hmm. over there? Yep. Um, but I'm not sure if that's behind a paywall, and I'm not sure if, if you want to see Man U games, you have to pay to see those games rather than normal Sky UK. Do you do you know that? Yeah, I think probably with eating, right? I think you do, and it's and he sort of intimated um, like the Yankees have their own, and it costs you like uh, ten bucks a month, and you can watch all their games. Now that's different. There's I don't know thirty teams in Major League Baseball, 
and you're buying to for the Yankees, and they play every second day. Rugby will be a slightly different model, and I think the point he made was New Zealand rugby is owned by the 27 unions, and it's just a very, very different model. So I feel like, an, particularly initially, they'll leave the local product alone for New Zealand viewers, but initially they'll market All Blacks, Black Ferns, and um, All Black Sevens, but then an American might be able to buy a Super Rugby package and an NPC package or a Super Rugby Opiki package in future. Because the interesting thing here is, that, I mean, I guess they're working out the mechanics, but am I right in thinking that if I'm watching, um, whether it be Crusaders vs Blues this weekend on TV, which I'm actually hoping to get a ticket to that game, believe it or not, mm-hmm. or, um, I don't know, an All Blacks game, the cameras and the commentary and all the all the studios is sky owned would that would I be correct in assuming that um, there's an outside broadcasting company that have all the hardware um, sky employ the commentators but you can get uh, like a test match for example when the lions are here they bring their own commentary team so they just have a different audio feed um, you could get neutral commentators doing all black tests for an international market and they could just be calling it off a tube in dublin um, but it's, it's, um, it'd have to be worked out who pays for what, but New Zealand rugby sell, sell Sky's images internationally. Yeah, because I mean, one would hope that as a consumer, that the consumer wins, but if you're going to have to fork out for Sky, because you're interested in other sports as well, mm. and then you have to fork out for a portion of the rugby, being the All Blacks, I don't know how many friends are going to make. I know this is probably inevitable, but the, I mean they're not exactly the most popular guy, uh, people in town at the moment. Mm. The people who run the All Blacks. I don't think uh, I don't think they'll do pay per view for New Zealanders. And Duncan made that quite clear. I think oh. the difference for us, like there'll still be that Sky um, and New Zealander relationship. I don't think you'll get Sky Sport and then have to pay another five bucks for an All Black test. I don't see that happening. Yeah, well, let's just hope it is an independent commentary and all that, because otherwise it just gets a bit nauseating. You don't want it like the Lego movie. Everybody <laughs> is awesome. Everybody's part of the team. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> awesome, mate. So, anyway, go the Crusaders. Up the all Crusaders. Right, thanks, Good on you. Uh, Simon. G'day, Simon. Have I got yeah, you? Hey, Stabby, can you hear me? I got you, bro. I got you. Hey, cool. Great. I wanted to call in... Um, Obviously, comparing NRL to uh, the New Zealand rugby scene, especially uh, Super Rugby and NPC, but I don't think that's really fair. Um, NRL is the creme de la creme of the rugby league world, and obviously uh, NPC and Super Rugby is not. So comparing the two is kind of hard. What's the creme de la creme of rugby in the world? Well... (laughs) It's the Rugby World Cup. But that's only every four years. Exactly. Um, but, I mean, Super Rugby is not where all the top players are playing. They're all distributed over in Europe. Uh, they're obviously in New Zealand as well playing Super Rugby. And you've got other nations as well. There's no, no one tournament where all the top players are playing regularly. EPL, all the top players are playing there regularly. NRL, all the top players are playing their rugby league. Uh, Major League Baseball. And he dropped off. I think he was calling from Japan. Hmm. 
Sorry, Simon, you dropped off. Um, just dropped off there. Hasn't come back. Um, we'll take John from Auckland. G'day, John. Yeah, go to the Blues. Come go on, blues. come on. Ah, get it into you, mate. <laughs> nah. <laughs> How's it going? How's it going, Steph? Yeah, it's good. It's good. I actually give the Blues a hope this weekend. Uh, in fact, more than a hope. Yeah, I do too. I do too. I think it's interesting we talk about the fan experience. Um, that last caller kind of alluded to it a little bit in terms of the NRL being a different co- uh, concept, competition altogether, actually. Mm. Um, and Super Rugby has been tailor-made for people at home. And that's obvious with the crowd numbers at the moment because the season is not actually that long. Mm. You know, if, if you don't make the finals, you're only playing from February to June. Yeah. Now, most competitions around the world go for about six months, except for the NFL because the NFL is just a billion-dollar machine, mate. Mm. And they, I think they only have 14 regular games as well. But, you know, we've got international rugby. That's the creme de la creme. You know, for any... Anyone in rugby union, they all want to be international rugby league players. Rugby players, sorry. Mm. But in rugby league, it's the NRL. And then, you know, like rugby league's kind of like uh, American basketball in, in terms of if you make the state of origin team, it's like making the All-Stars. Yeah. But if you make the Australian team, it's like, well, yeah, it's nice to have. <laughs> that's, like the, that's like the American basketball team. You know, not, not a lot of them want to play because it's in the off-season. And it's the same kind of thing for rugby league, but in terms of bringing the crowds back, yeah, like you've been to NRL games, mate. Have you been to a Broncos game in Brisbane? I have not. Well, the fan day experience there is just out of this world for this part of the world. Yeah. And then you go to Parramatta, the Eel Stadium. They've got like a, a bowling club there. They've got, you know, there's a, there's a bar inside the club. You know, the stadium and there's stuff to do for the kids and. Everything's just interactive with, with their fans, you know. And then straight after the game, the um, the players are right there and amongst the fans, and you know everything's tailor made for the fans. And I feel like Super Rugby is just, you know, it just seems to me like it's a bit of a trial for the All Blacks. Yeah, that's a really good statement, actually. Um, it's like there's this rugby going on uh, before we get really engaged every four years. Yeah, exactly. And what, have you been to a Super Rugby game lately? Like, have you seen the halftime entertainment? Have you seen the entertainment before the game? Or <laughs> I've seen anything... those, those blow-up balls and kids running into each other. <laughs> That's the last one I went to. And I was like, is that it? <laughs> exactly. Nothing Nothing is engaging with the fan. Mm. And that's why they're losing it. Like, people would rather go to the movies and spend 50 bucks than go to a Super Rugby game and, what, 20-odd people at the stadium. Mm. Unless, unless it's the Blues Crusaders or the Chiefs Crusaders or Hurricanes or whatever Kiwi team's playing. Yeah. But yeah, they've got to figure something out, mate. Yeah, they do. They do. Good man, John. Always good chatting to you, buddy. That's John. Uh, we'll take a quick break. Zaid, you hang on there. You're the life member. I know you'll wait. Uh, we'll come back with Zaid after this. Got some good text messages, which we'll get to after the life member. Thanks for holding on. Zaid, welcome in. Yeah, good, thank you. Uh, I was actually thinking about something. So It doesn't have to be too many players, right? But what about if we had like a draft system, but for international players to come over and play Super Rugby? 
I like it. I like any change. I, I like giving something a go because yeah. nothing much has changed except the rules have got more complicated. Yeah, well, what about like, um, you know how there's Moana Pacifica, right? Mm. Um, them playing at Mount Tamar doesn't work in the comp, right? They either have to try and sort it out some way where they can play in Samoa or be based in Tonga, you know what I mean? Like how Fiji and Drew is based in Fiji, otherwise it's not going to work, you know what I mean? I don't, I don't, I don't agree with them playing at Mount Smart. I know because I know it hasn't quite worked the only new and all COVID has been around, but in the next few years they need to be based either, either Samoa or based out of Tonga, you know, and have a, have a proper base. And another thing I want to mind is say if like once or twice a year we have game game um the Warriors play before the Globes at Eden Park. You know what I mean? Like one or two games a year maybe. And they do a double header and do like a, a codes day and you can uh, come watch the Warriors and then come watch the Blues, you know, and maybe make it a bit cheaper and like combine both the tickets. You might be to, you might be able to sell a bit more tickets maybe. I'd love that idea and I I'd love them to be friendlier. Uh, and open yeah, to that yeah. sort of opportunity. Like, uh, embrace, get the Warriors fans along for the first game, and a lot of them will stay for the rugby, or do it the other way around, and just make it harmonious. Well, they tried, they tried to do it about two years ago. You just cut out there, Zate. Um, just dropped out. Sorry, but yeah, I do take your points. I've got some points on text as well. John, John was right. Player fan engagement is at an all-time low. Years ago, Canterbury had a supporters club underneath the number three stand where the players went and had a jug of beer after the game with the supporters. Good point having the games early. I also think back to the Warriors game in Napier. If that was at five o'clock, we wouldn't have had all those streakers because it gives them less time to drink before the game. Um, Staff, I watch rugby and league every weekend with my mother-in-law. Mate, she used to be a rugby union fan too, but even she prefers league now simply because it's more exciting, easier to follow, and the ball is always in play. She said the laws in union have killed the game for her. Even the referees are confused. Union and super rugby in particular needs a complete overhaul and needs rules that promotes running rugby. Uh, they need to increase the try from five to six points to encourage teams to choose going for tries instead of kicking penalties. Also seems to be a lack of fan engagement from Super Rugby franchises. Learn from the AFL and NRL. Finn is dead right. I remember years ago playing a curtain raiser to the Crusaders as a regular club senior player. The game was secondary to being underneath the stands, watching the Super players run out from under the stands, walking on Lancaster Park pre-game and watching the cheerleaders warm up was also a highlight. Staffy, exactly what Finn said, the time zone for rugby league, completely different, and that's why crowds are different for a lot of matches, but I think some of those Warriors games crowd numbers might be, might be, might be. Those numbers are fine, that's full. Sammy calls them and he says it's just an unbelievable atmosphere there. Have our last break for the news. Helping you tune out your annoying workmate. You're listening to Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. I didn't want to make this about rugby versus league. Um, Jared's just texting Staffy. I listen to SEN Australia as well, and they just laugh at Super Rugby Comp and how 
Poor it is. They are baffled at how the Reds qualify with a five-win, nine-loss record. Record, Jared. Yes, I think something's got to be done. I don't mind an eight-team playoff if there's sixteen teams, potentially fourteen, but twelve teams. We've got to go six, don't we? We've got to go six. Anyway, we're going to talk some um, New South Wales state of origin team list. And we got uh, one of the big selectors, former Warrior, former New South Wales Blue, former Kangaroo, Greg Brandy-Alexander. He'll be joining us after one o'clock. If you've got any questions you want me to put to him, text them in on double eight double three. Brandy's next. Just one more text message um, from Richard saying, Staffy, surely we can do without nighttime MPC games. Counties this year has three home games at night. One is a Wednesday against Canterbury, which would normally draw a big crowd in the afternoon. Unbelievable, really. Stuff all crowd and crap atmosphere. Anyway, we got you fellas on a Saturday afternoon, 2 o'clock. See you there. If, you put, if County's playing one or two in Pukekohe at 2 o'clock on a Saturday, you will see me there. You will see me there. Um, we're going rugby league now, and New South Wales Blues have named their team, and a man that had huge sway, I'm sure, in picking this side. Joins us now, our favourite former warrior, Panther, Blue, Kangaroo, the whole shebang, and he's one of SEN's finest as well. Greg Brandy Alexander joins us. G'day, Greg. Daffy, how are you, mate? Very, very well. How hard was this for you to put together? Uh, it, it's, it's always difficult because there's, uh, you know, especially when you're coming off a loss, um, uh, you know, you haven't got the luxury of a, you know, a long season. Um, you've got to, you know, try and pick the best team you think can, can win a game and do a job. And the, the job is at Suncorp Stadium against the side. Uh, there's been very hard to beat up there. And, you know, there's when you've got injuries, there's always a number of players in contention for, for spots, as was the case. Uh, for this team so it's yeah it's always there's a lot of debate and uh, it's never an easy job and you always think that you know you you do wonder sometimes whether you know you've gone the right way because generally the players you're picking from are all quality players so um, but we're happy with the team it's I think it's a good team and I think it's a team that can get the job done in Queensland. Take us inside those meetings, Brandy. How robust is the discussion of, of, of selector A is really strong on a particular player in the same position selector B's in? How, how does that get resolved? Um, just thrashing it out, really. Like how any debate or argument or uh, difference of opinion gets sorted out. Um, in the end, you know, I the coach needs to be comfortable with who he's got coming. And sometimes it might be my job to convince him of, um, you know, what he's thinking. But it's, yeah, it's a, look, it's a great discussion. And, and, you know, it's not just, 
it's not just me and Freddie. Um, you know, we, we, we talk to our assistant coaches and we, uh, and, and, you know, I, I've always thought that, you know, chatting amongst um, with diff- people with different, you know, different views on, on players and how the game should go. And uh, I've always thought it's a good thing. Um, to the point where I think, you know, at Clubland, that's sort of taken hold of recruitment teams and recruitment and retention teams. And you don't just leave it to one person picking a side. I, I think debate's great. And I think, you know, you get to the, I think you can you get to the end result uh, um, in a way that you might, and if it was just one head picking a team. Mm. And like when it comes to origin and I look at Billy Slater and the Maroons, I look at Freddie Fittler and New South Wales Blues, never met both blokes, probably couldn't be more different, incredibly passionate about the blue jersey and about the maroon jersey. You get to work very closely with Freddie Fittler in putting these teams together. What's his special qualities that you think he can turn around that result from game one? Uh, Well, he's got a get the players to believe that they can do it you know it's a it's a big challenge and we've got some great players in our side and and some experienced players in our side but they've got to believe that they can do it and that you know i I think that is the the job of the coach to uh to create an atmosphere that you get the best out of the players You, you have the players play to their potential um you know and if we if if we do that i've got no doubt we can win the game it's it's just it's putting it together on the night but you know freddie's a, a very con- competitive bloke and, and you know there's a there's a side to freddie that you know makes up his his personality of you know very relaxed mm. very easy going but that's you know that's probably five percent of it uh, the rest of it is a competitive uh passionate um intelligent um you know rugby league brain so um you know i've, I've enjoyed working with him you know he, he, and we've been mates for a long time and you know when this started back in uh back in um 2018 when Freddie first got the job you know I, I you know Freddie's a commentator and coached a bit of the city side but I didn't have anything to do with him through 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 his um his brief coaching career at the Roosters and with uh, the city side you know when when we got together I wondered what you know what Freddie was going to be like as a coach as well back in 2018 and I I was blown away you know I, I any number of times through that those first couple of series said man you know you know you are you're you're a good coach, yeah, and you, you're doing a great job. And I and I told him how proud I was of you, you know, getting it done. So and that that hasn't changed. Um, I'm still proud of what he's been able to do, and I'm happy to be his right hand man, and uh, you know, enjoy the ride with him. If since Nathan Cleary's injury. Um for argument's sake, let's say you've talked about the New South Wales Blues team for a hundred hours. How many of those hours have been on who wears seven? Um, yeah, a lot of the hours. Yeah, a, a lot. I, I, I don't want to put a number on it, Staffy. I'll, I'll just say a lot, a, a lot of the hours. But, um, you know, and then that sort of, that flowed on to, to, to you know, chat about, you know, does the six stay the same? Does Jerome stay there if Nathan's not there and we go a certain way? And in the end, Jerome's forms, you know, you, you couldn't ignore Jerome's form. Um, you know, Freddie asked him to stand up you know, last weekend. This weekend, I thought he was one of our better players in game one. He was fantastic for Penrith against the Roosters on Saturday night. And, 
picking the halfback. It wasn't an easy job because you know it was it was Nico who had been part of the side in in game one. It was Mitch Moses uh, who's been part of the squad before and played at Suncorp Stadium. Um, only one game, but. Uh, has played there, and um, and also Adam Reynolds. You can't, you know, it, you know, it'd be silly to say that we we didn't think of Adam Reynolds. He's been in terrific form. Yeah, we've had a few text messages just while we've been talking, Brandy, about the Nico Hines exclusion and the Mitch Moses inclusion. How much of their games this weekend were taken into account? Uh, it played a part. I'll, I'll say that. Yes. It played a part, but uh, and I won't I won't go into it any further. But it played a, it, it played a part, but I won't say it, it was. It, it's like picking a side, you know, it, it, picking a side, and and you know, there's 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 terms around picking and and state of origin sides, you know, pick and stick and pick on form or pick combinations. It's not one. It's not one or the other. It's it's a, a combination of all those things. Mm. Um, you know, so. And, and that's the same when you, um, you know, when you're picking a, a player for game two. Obviously, what happened over the weekend played a part, but not. I, I wouldn't even like to put it, staff, in a in a percentage. Yeah. Um, but it, it played a part because Reynolds plays in Brisbane. Um, and I know you, you know, you probably heard Wayne Bennett said he would have put him in. Um, Everyone picked. I mean, you ask ten people; they have different. They have different opinions. How important the combination, what Mitch yep. Moses can bring to a blue jersey, and how that will complement the rest of the back line, mm-hmm. particularly Luai. Yep, yep, yeah. There's all those things, all, all, all those things, and, every, and everyone over the last couple of weeks has had uh, had an opinion on it. And uh, you're right. Um, you know, I think if you if you did a poll right across the game, and that included those that were uh, independent, not not tied up to the clubs that those players are from, um, you know, it, it, it'd be very interesting and pretty tight. I think the, the the polling as to who who should wear the number seven for New South Wales. Latrell Mitchell and Tom Trebojevich both had injury concerns in recent times. Where, where are they at, Brandy? Uh, Tom's fine, no, not a problem. Tom played on the weekend and um, was part of that manly side that put the cleaners uh, through the Dolphins. Yep. So there's no no issue with Tom. Um, Latrell uh, didn't play on the weekend and is still uh, recovering from that calf that ruled him out of game one. That was two weeks on Sunday. Um, and um, uh, so Latrell will just go through a, a couple of days of rehab um, just to make sure that everything's right. And I'm pretty confident that Latrell will play. Uh, the physios uh, feel that. So Stephen Crichton's the 18th man. So if, if anything does happen to Latrell, Stephen's ready to step in. But um, I'm thinking Latrell will be good. Cameron Murray, also another player that uh, Bunnies played that didn't play over the weekend after uh, straining a groin against... I think it was the Titans last what, two weeks ago. So, um, yeah, Cam, Cam's good. He's in he's in camp and um, and looking okay. He ran yesterday, so he's uh, he's a bit closer to returning to full training than Latrell. But Latrell will be up and and running by Friday. 
Talking to Greg Alexander, SEN, uh, former Blues, or oh, former everybody, former everybody, currently on the line though, which is very important. Sammy Hewitt calls the Warriors games here in SENZ, and I know he'll have uh, some questions for you, Sammy. Oh, one thing I was going to ask, Brandy, is um, obviously the team you picked for game one, um, you had a game plan going in. Obviously, Queensland got the win, so they obviously did something that perhaps maybe weren't expecting or they did something better than you know what you had planned on, on combating. So how was some of the selections you've made for game two? Uh, what are those selections that you've, that you've picked to try and combat what they did in game one? Uh, well, I, I don't know if they're to combat what they did in game one. You know, they, they scored two early tries off the back of errors that we made and we couldn't defend them. Um, uh, that's just that, that can happen in any game, in any game. You, but you've got to be able to defend. And, I, and you know, I, at the end of the, the game in Adelaide, Sam, I, I, you know, talking about the loss, I said, well, you know, you, you just can't, you can't afford to make the defensive lapses we did and win Origin games. And it's, it was simple as that. And, and there's not much more to it. Like, I, I, you know, we, we were leading the game with eight minutes to go, 12-10. Um, and then we didn't handle the back end of the game well. We had them under pressure, line dropout. We failed to catch the ball. They caught it, ran 50 metres. Um, and then we didn't defend it. So um, I don't think that... Well, the players that we've picked, um, aren't, we didn't pick them necessarily to combat anything Queensland did in game one. I, I, you know, we, we picked the players um, to replace uh, a couple of injured players that we needed, the halfback and the hooker. Uh, we ended up picking two players to, to cover the loss of Appy Coruscant. So we brought Reese Robson in, and that's why uh, Nico uh, didn't get a start. Uh, Damien Cook also comes in. And then we... We just thought that uh, you know we needed to change uh, the third front rower and Stefano Utukamanu has been part of the side, part of the squad over the last couple of years. Um, now gets his chance ahead of Tavita Pangai. How do you envision? Uh, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. How do you envision the um, the sort of Cook um, Robson combination working, Brandy? Like, do you expect Damien to play as many minutes as he can, or is there is there a plan to obviously just make him go hard for as I guess as short a time as he can, and then bringing Robson on maybe later in the game? Yeah, well, well I'll, I'll leave that up to the coaching staff to to sort that out. That's uh, yeah, that that's that, that's a discussion Freddie will have with both players and and uh, and Paul McGregor and and Danny Badiris. Um, so yeah, we 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 haven't exactly uh, spoken to the players about what what we're going to do with them. And finally, Greg Alexander, um, one end of the graph is pressure, the other end of the graph is excitement. Your involvement in the Blues, where does the needle sit? <laughs> I don't know where it sits. I've got no idea. Uh, there is. Look, it's it's a it's a it's an honour to be involved in Origin. That's that's all I'll say. It's a it's a it's a privilege to be involved uh, with the best players in the game. Uh, it's a massive challenge, but it's very exciting for the players. You know, to to have that challenge to keep the series alive, to go up there and beat Queensland in Queensland. Uh, it's very exciting. But with with that comes pressure, and um, I'm sure that the boys will handle it. Well, I'm very neutral when it comes to origin, which doesn't mean I love it any less. So while last time I might have been up the Maroons, I'm definitely this time up the Blues because we all love and decided, don't we, Brandy? That would be good, Staffy. That would be great. Top man. Thanks for joining us today, bud.
Pleasure, pleasure. See you later. Brandy Alexander. Um, gosh, I can only imagine it's a very high-pressured high-pressured uh, responsibility slash job, but he, he is the right man for it. Um, sorry, I didn't get to these questions. What does Dylan Edwards need to do to earn a call-up? Do you want to answer that on behalf of Brandy? Let's get to these questions. Me and Sammy will discuss them after this break. If you want to give us a yell, um, your origin people out there, um, you're welcome to 0800 150811. Uh, Ken just said, Staffy, you didn't read out my Super Rugby NRL ratings. I did. I did read it out. Ken, you must have missed it. I did it right at the start, right at the very start. But give us a call now, 0800 150811. We'll come back after a short break. Getting you through the day like a hot cuppa after lunch. You're listening to Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Uh, welcome back in. Great to catch up with Brandy Alexander. Um, New South Wales Origin team has been named. Joey's called up. G'day, Joey. G'day, Beth. What a shemozzle, mate. Well, I'll tell you, I just talked to the producer. They're covering, the selectors are covering their ass. You're telling me that, that Nico Hines, who got who was billion player of the year and has been playing awesome football apart from one game last weekend, and don't forget he was one out of 13. That didn't play didn't play any good for Cronella. And and he threw a couple of passes that one one of them, the guy wasn't even looking. So, you know, he didn't play that bad. You're telling me that he's second in line to Cleary. Cleary gets injured. Who who steps up there? Steph. He does, doesn't he? He goes in there and then you get someone in to to, to cover to cover that's how I always saw it when we played rugby league or whatever. But no, they've completely got rid of him completely. And they're saying, oh, we need an, another another a hooker to cover um, um, Cook. You know, I mean, I can't I can't work it out. There's a guy. There's a guy that's done. He hasn't even had a game. They or they gave him ten minutes and they put him at centre where he doesn't play centre. You put any any halfback at centre and they're going to miss the odd tackle because he's well out of position. I mean, why didn't they? You know, they bring on um, Burton or whatever. You know, and and and, and that that game. He's more of a centre than than. Uh, Hines was, and then they're saying, oh, Hines missed the tackle, that, that Cameron Munster, who's one of the best around at Origin and as a rugby league player, is one of the best. They're saying, oh, and he missed him, and they, they, they and then um, Queensland scored the try. Ado Carr missed um, Tavito to score as well. He got, he got shunted off as, as well. Mm. So do you get rid of him? No. This guy, this guy, if I was this guy, Hines, I'd be going, I, I don't want to play for you guys. I'll be saying, if, if you get beat, and, the, and I, I think they will get beat now, I'd be surprised if they can win this. I, I think they will get beat, Staff. And, and, if, and if they get beat, again, and then they go, oh, no, we'll, we'll bring you in now, I'd say to them, sorry, see you later. You, you, they've picked them around. That's how I see it. Yeah, when they, so sorry for the guy. Yeah, when they named him on the bench, I was surprised they, if they were going to name him, you name him to start. He's not a bench player. I, I, I see him as a starter and controls the game. Where, where he is, that's that's what he's been doing. That's how he won the Dalian. And to have him coming on at God knows what position, at God knows what time, you are never going to see the best out of Nico Hines. And I, and I do feel for the bloke, and I do feel like when Brandy said it played a part, um, the Mitch Moses game and the Nico Hines game in the weekend played a part, I think it played a big part. Yeah, look, Steph, look, okay, if you pick, if you pick Moses ahead of him, but you still have him in the 17. Yeah. You know, I mean, he, he, what, you, you tell me what has he actually done wrong 
to get shunted out of that 17. I'm going, I'm going, these guys are just, they're not being rude, but they're covering their asses because they're also, their, their jobs are on the line if they get beat again. That's the and, point. And That's the point. Yeah, exactly. I can't, if I can't work out why, and I'm a, I'm a Queensland supporter. So, you know, I, I hope Queensland and, and, um, smash them. But, but in saying that, I still want to see a good game. And I just feel, I think if he played, it would make a huge difference. And I said this on your station a few a week or so ago. I said, he, they're going to be dangerous if, if they put Hines in because he runs the football all the time. Every time at Cronulla, he gets the ball all the time in every set of six, and he runs with it. Now, Nathan, what did Nathan Cleary do in the first, first Origin game? He did nothing. Mm. And they're, they're all going on about Tedesco. Get rid of Tedesco and everything. Have a look at Nathan Cleary. I'm not knocking Cleary's fantastic. But I, I, would have, I would have said to Cleary, if he was, wasn't injured, I would have said, this is your last chance, mate. Mm. You've got to stand up, you know. And, and unfortunately, I just feel so sorry for this guy. I really do. Yeah. Anyway, that's my <coughs> me, I'm sorry to go on, buddy. That's all right, mate. I, I thought I had to quit. I, look, I know yeah. I'm Dr. Staff. I've made you feel better because it's off your chest. You're dead right. You're dead right. And guess what else on my chest, Steph? What else? The mighty turbo. You're the mighty turbo. Get go. Good on you, you Joe. See you, boy. <laughs> but no, um, love, and obviously love Joey. Love the passion of the call as well. But um, I'll disagree with him, Steph. Go on. And I'm a massive Nico Hines fan. Um, because I think he was the best player last year and he is a great footballer. However, and Sean's actually texted in as well, there is a body of evidence there. The Sharks haven't beat a top eight side this year. They beat everyone below them. They haven't beat anyone above them. And I remember it was a similar thing last year where they beat basically every side underneath them but never beat a side above them. Now, you're talking about, and I know it's a, it's a team game, etc., but Nico Hines isn't thought of as a guy who steps up in big games. He, he, you don't think of that when you think of Nico Hines. You think of a very, very good player. I think and, of Adam Reynolds. And he's great around the park. Now, I can understand not having Nico Hines starting in the seven jersey. I'm okay with that. But I would have had Adam Reynolds in there because you're playing at Suncorp. Obviously, that's where he's very familiar with with, with Brisbane. He'd, probably, he'd arguably have some fans there as well, even though it's Queensland territory. And it's the kicking game. Like, he is the best kicker in the NRL, Adam Reynolds, and he will get you out of trouble when you need him most. Um, and he does step up when he needs to. And, and I'm, I mean, Mitch Moses is similar, right? He, he's, a, he's once again a very, very solid player, and he, he's similar to that mould of a Nathan Cleary, but he's also gone missing in some big games over the, uh, over the years. Um, so not that I'm against not um, Nico being there, but I, but I would have personally had Adam Reynolds in the number seven jersey. There's, there's, I mean, and Brandy's right. I mean, there's so many different positions on the field. I mean, there's, everyone's asking about Dylan Edwards. Like, what does he have to do to, to be a starting number one in State of Origin? Because Teddy has hardly lit the world on fire the last couple of weeks. You know what I mean? It's a bit like, is Origin a bit like the All Blacks? Hard to get in, harder to get out. Yeah, for sure. But I mean... <laughs> It's funny because I always, certainly over the last couple of years, have always seen Queensland as picking on loyalty and New South Wales picking on form. Like Freddie's notorious for just picking a guy because he's playing well and put him anywhere on the park. You know, he's a he's a hooker. Well, let's just play him at centre. You know, that that's sort of Freddie's mantra. But you know, he made some interesting selections for game one, um, Steph. Freddie, and I think that came back to bite him big time, and now he's almost chasing his tail. Mm-hmm. And Queensland are licking their lips because they've basically named the same side. Yes, they've got a couple of injuries. Cobbo's out, Xavier Coates is in, but by and large, it's pretty much the same team. And they'll be licking their lips because it's at home in Brisbane. They've got all the momentum. They've basically named the same team. They've got the confidence. So, Latrell Mitchell. Yeah, Trell Mitt. 
I reckon if Origin was tomorrow night, he wouldn't play. If, if I try and dissect what Brandy Alexander was saying, mm. I don't think he's ready to go yet. And uh, fingers crossed, he's still with the physio. It's a huge physical game, Origin. Mm-hmm. Do they risk him? Well, I mean, they'll want to risk him. It's yeah. I mean, not that the Rabbitohs really yeah. have much say, but you know, he's a he's a game breaker. Latre- and, and people said that he was the he was the missing piece in game one for New South Wales. He's the guy that can take a game by the scruff of, of his neck. And look, Brandy did have a good point as well. I mean, the New South Wales were in the lead until mm. the last sort of fifteen minutes, 10, 15 minutes, and they very well could have won that game. So we probably have to just temper it a little bit and saying that it still is a very good team that can still win the game but I think you're right There's, there is a question mark over over Trell Mitt and, and still a question mark staff over Tom Tommy in the centres I mean fantastic player unbelievable player world class player but in the centres you know ha, I mean he lit it up in the centres in New South Wales two years ago or three yeah. years ago when he was having that breakout year not really done it since so you know is he the right man someone mentioned here Stephen Crichton when it was you know, in game one, some people thought he was one of the best on the field. He is now off, and he's an out-and-out centre. He's a he's a centre specialist, and he's good, and he's good. You know, so um, so yeah. for, just before we go to the news, I know we're a little bit late. Sorry, Johnny Mac. What's the difference for you mm. to be a really good NRL player, yeah, like a standout, mm. to a really good Origin player? What's the difference? Well, and and th- this is the diff. I mean, I'm an, I'm a Blues fan, and this is that argument that everyone bashes me for. But I think it does come down to on the night who steps up. It is big. You hate this. You hate this. The saying. It's moments. big moments. It's a big. It's the big moment players. Now you look at Cam Munster. Didn't have. He didn't light up game one until the last 15 minutes where a couple of his plays sealed the game. That is Cameron Munster. He is a clutch player. You look at Valentine Holmes, doesn't light the world on fire for the Cowboys or at club level. When he's into origin, he takes control of the big moments. He, he makes the tackles defensively. He gets the ball away at the right time. There's something about that Queensland jersey that lifts those guys, and it's the guys who are able to take that by the scruff of the neck and run with it and not feel that pressure, whereas you feel like New South Wales, and especially you know a Nathan Cleary in game one, lost that grip. You know what I mean? They they have that sort of one hand on on the moment and they lose that grip a little bit. His kicking game was pretty poor in game one. So that to me is the difference, Steph, between someone who's good at club level versus translating to origin. It is you're at Suncorp, you're in Brisbane, it's a raucous crowd, it's an origin decider, you got to make the tackle. You've got to make the pass. You've got to make the, the line break. Um, and that'll be the difference next Wednesday. Close game next Wednesday. Close game. Close game. <clears throat> another, la- another four points in it. One last text. New South Wales will win at Suncorp by 1-12. to 12. This is from Junior. New South Wales played badly and almost won game one. I would have backed Reynolds as well, given his familiarity with Suncorp. I think Gus got into Fitler's ear and influenced them to pick Moses. I still think New South Wales will win. Oh, it's heating up. It's a week away. It's news time. We are heading off to the TAB. We're joining uh, the music. Tells me it's Brendan Popper. Well, welcome in, Pops. Hey, Steph. All good? Yep, very, very good. Um, Denver, Miami, there's life in the old dog. There's life in the old dog. That is the Miami Heat. There is. Boy, this has been an enthralling first half. Uh, they're, they're leading. And at the moment, 
The market is 180 Miami Heat, Denver Nuggets 195, but there has been so much movement in this market with what's happened in that uh, as we're nearing the end of the first half. Now, leading into uh, tip-off, there was good money for the Miami Heat. They were well back at that 360 price, so for some of them that are on that 360, I guess they're just waiting for that point for the Nuggets to get into a, a backable price around that sort of 220, sort of 250 zone, hopefully, and uh, they're sitting in an even sweeter position. There was a little bit of money for Miami uh, in the point start line, and even uh, one punter laid down $2,000 on Miami Heat to win this by, uh, was it 13 or more, uh, which was uh, 11 or more at $13. So uh, exciting times for that punter that's laid down a couple of, couple of gorillas. Yes, indeedy. Um, we just heard on Johnny Mac's news that Ryan Fox has got a 6.30 a.m. tee-off time, New Zealand time, I'm guessing. Uh, that will be Friday morning, so perfect viewing time for us here in New Zealand. But for me, and I'm very, very loath to pick favourites in golf tournaments, but yep. Scotty Scheffler's over the last two years, has shown to me he doesn't he, – he's not affected by – course makeup by long rough by anything he's just a complete golfer he is and a consistent golfer too isn't he when he comes to these majors uh he's been well backed again uh seven dollars and fifty cents because you just know that he's going to be in the fight uh is scotty scheffler so well backed uh at that 750 quote brooks kepka without a doubt has taken a lot of money too uh and i'm talking money that's been spread over the last few weeks since Brooks Kepper has shown his form again through the Masters and then, of course, through the PGA Championship uh, victory. We've also got money for Hobland. Hobland's been another player that's been in form uh, in recent weeks. $17 the price there for Hobland. And Cam Smith sitting at a price of, of $29. Of course, layout could be very uh, popular for Cam Smith. Uh, I know that they're, that they're keen on, on Cam coming into this uh, course setup it's, that he's familiar with. Uh, so $29 is a nice price for him. And yeah, as you said, Ryan Fox, well backed at $151. The Kiwi punters are climbing in. Why wouldn't you? Um, pages and pages of power plays, which can take a number of different combinations. Which ones have sparked the the early interest? No hole-in-one. Now, of course, if, you've, if there's was there five par, five par threes, couple of them at 300. Um, so no hole-in-one uh, has been one of the better plays. Uh, it was around $1.83. Where's the hole-in-one specials? Uh, no hole-in-one in the tournament uh, at $2.30. Two or more uh, at $2.40. So, um, yeah, no hole-in-one at two thirty is has already taken a bit of, bit of heat. Mm, fascinating. And uh, Super Rugby semis, any movement in the markets there? Look, Chiefs supporters uh, have uh, certainly chimed in here. We've seen money for the Chiefs at the 125 and the 13 and over. That's been the best back uh, option, in fact, around the Chiefs, which currently sits at $2, which, hey, look, is a little surprising because um, they didn't put the Reds away, which was expected, and the Brumbies come here with a similar game plan. They, this game could be kept tight. So, uh, yeah, Chiefs 13 and over $2, 1 to 12, 260. If you think the Brumbies can come here and cause an upset, Sitting at four sixty to win one to twelve, or the point start staff, which is at uh, plus ten and a half uh, for the Brumbies at one eighty seven, where we have seen some interest. Chiefs twelve and under, Blues twelve and under. There's mine. There's mine. Eight dollars fifty.
Beautiful. Oh, did you say blues? <laughs> yeah, did you I, say blues? Did you? Yeah, too yeah. many injuries for the Crusaders. I think just too many. Yes, I know. You said that last week, and um, I will say this: that, that there's the early betting to say that there's uh, money there for the Blues at the two forty-five and the three thirty-one to twelve. So you're not alone, Steph. Yeah, nice. Top man, pops. Thanks for the chat. Cheers, Steph. Catch Cheers, you, buddy. Brendan Popwell there from the TAB. And you know about the TAB. They've got an app, which is very simple to use. They've got a website, which looks exactly the same as the app. So you don't have to learn two different things at once. Always go to the Pundit's Lounge and, geez, the the power plays and the boosted odds in the US open market, that will take some reading. But I might take that and show me the money this week. Something in there. Something in there. Either that or the Blues 12 and under. Oh, sorry, Mikey. Sorry, Mikey. Uh, We'll take a break. We'll find out what else is making news. Helping you tune out your annoying workmate. You're listening to Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Ladies and gentlemen, I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. What's making news around the world? What is it? What is it, Sam? You know I look forward to this every day. I'm glad you do, because it consumes me from basically when the show's off here at 3 o'clock until 12 the next day. So, you know, it's it's hard actually just getting it down to 3. I know. Because I could bring you a a variable smorgasbord. A potpourri. A potpourri. A a jamboree, as some people. A jambalaya. A jambalaya. A jambalaya. Wow. Which is sort of a, a chowder, isn't it? Yeah, it is. More of a luxa or no? No, jambalaya. Jamaican? No, no, like Creole. It's um South like America, like South Carolina. Ah, I had one when I was over there actually. Yeah, Good. Creole. Uh it was okay. Did you have grits? Didn't have grits. Mm. I never had grits. <laughs> what even is grits? I don't know. They they have uh, fried chicken and grits. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Uh, a British man. Uh, his name is George King Thompson. Mm-hmm. I think he's got that around the wrong way. It's supposed to be King George, but it's George King Thompson. And uh, he's been arrested. He's been detained, Steph, because he um, he climbed halfway up. And I could not think of a worst activity to do and a worse way to get arrested. Uh, climbing halfway up the world's fifth largest skyscraper, which is located in Seoul, Korea, um, with his bare hands. 72 floors. Wow. He was up 72 floors in the air with his bare hands um, more, uh, before more than 90 emergency police and other personnel were dispatched to the 125-storey building. That's uh, about 555 metres. Mm-hmm. Um, he reached the 72nd floor, which is 310 metres high, before officials took him to a gondola lift and moved him inside the building uh, and arrested him. He had planned on base jumping from the top of the building and parachuting off, um, and he was actually arrested in 2019 after scaling the Shard in London. Mm-hmm. Isn't the Shard like a, a conical yeah, shape? Yes. How do you, how do you scale that? Um, That's a heck of an effort. Yeah, he got charges pressed against him for trespassing. But, I mean, like I said, I can't imagine anything worse than being that high up and, and why you would think that's a good idea. But also, I, I just can't believe he does this barehanded. Has he got Spider-Man grips or something? And he just sort of Maybe does that the whole way up. born with a finger improvement suction cup. Okay. Never heard of that before, but mm. 
Maybe maybe that's how it works. Um, anyway, he's in jail, or he probably will be. Now, have you followed the story of the um, four children found in the Amazon after 40 days? Like the plane crash. It's, it's, no, it's I saw the headline but didn't read the fresh story. Fresh out of a movie, this. So uh, forgive me if you have heard the story because I think it did come out over the weekend. But um, four children <laughs> have been found alive six weeks after a plane they were crashed on in the Amazon jun- uh, jungle. It killed all three adults on board. Um, that was the mother... Uh, the pilots and an indigenous leader and what was left was uh, some brothers one four nine and 13 so there's a one-year-old in this group of four um they survived for 40 days um in the jungle in the rainforest and apparently they survived on a bag of flour and some local fruit and I think one of them knew sort of the fruit of the forest and so was able to do that. But they survived off of that and a bag of flour. And, and it's a one, and a one-year-old is included in that, which baffles me, Steph. That's incredible. And that just has Netflix, you know, Amazon Prime. Flour you know, and Disney fruit, Plus. did you say? Yeah, a bag of flour and some fruit. So could you make, like, fruit frisses? Uh, something of that ilk, I imagine, uh, mm. for 40 days. It's a movie waiting to happen or a doco. Um, and I can't wait to watch it because that is incredible. Did you ever watch that TV series, I Shouldn't Be Alive? No. Yeah. Uh, no. That was amazing, some of the stories that came out of that. And finally, um, we go to the United States. And now, usually I play this music for um, conspiracy theories, but I, I almost go so far as to say that this is not a conspiracy at all, Steph. Mm-hmm. Um, viral video going around the internet at the moment of a Las Vegas man who called 911 about a mysterious object falling from the sky. And he claims that he encountered some non-human creatures walking around in his backyard following seeing this thing in the sky. Now, the police uh, turned up at the residence and he was describing the uh, non-human creatures as being about eight foot high, big eyes looking directly at him and his father who were out in the backyard. And he said, "I tell you, these are not human. These are not human." Um, now the police officer was naturally sceptical because you know it's it's aliens. But his partner was like, "Well, hold on. We we saw the the, the thing fall out of the sky at 11.50, which was like 20 minutes before they got the call or whatever. So they can verify that there was definitely something that fell out of the sky. They even have dash cam footage of something coming out of the sky. Oh, let's get better. And then the best part is when the cop shows up to the residence, he's got the body cam on, right? As he goes around the corner to the backyard, he turns the body camera off. Now, they're claiming that that's to do with privacy laws and, you know, filming in someone's backyard, but... Bollocks to that. that I'll just turn that up because that's, you know... Did he turn it off? I'm telling you, people, I'm telling you right now, drip feeding. That's what they do. They drip feed so that the public doesn't get mass hysteria. They just drip. There's a guy in Congress at the moment who's a former security intelligence officer for, like, Biden and stuff, and he's testifying against UFOs and aliens. Like, they're just drip feeding so that there's not mass panic and all the toilet paper doesn't go in one day. Remember those days? Yep. Yeah. Anyway, um... I'll give you a fact. Go on. If I can finish on a high. Uh, Despite being uh, the modern symbol of love, the ancient Greeks did not regard the heart as the centre of emotions. Instead, they attributed our emotions and our intelligence uh, to the liver. Oh. Yeah. So you might say, you know, you you broke my liver. Live a good life. Yeah. I've got a fact. She broke up with me and she broke my liver. I've got a fact. Okay. Humans. Yes, know them well. Put man on the moon mm. before they put wheels on luggage. Wow, fascinating. Fact. Is it true? Yes. 
Well, I mean, landing on the moon. No, <laughs> that's not true. Getting you through the day like a hot cuppa after lunch. You're listening to Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Uh, score update in the NBA deciding game. Of course, Denver lead the series 3-1. It is the first to four. Um, 55 Miami, 47 Denver. So Miami uh, hanging on grimly. There's about nine and a half minutes to go. Third quarter, um, three-point field goals. One from 18, Denver. Jeez, they're on a missing streak. Something deluxe. And Miami are only four from 17. Um, so yeah, nine and a half minutes to go. Miami lead by eight. Misses a plenty. Uh, still to come today, um, we're going to catch up with Barney Wolfgram, former Blackfern. She's coming into the studio. They, Her club, uh, Auckland Marist, were recipients of one of the Bunnings Rugby Assists. Uh, we talked to Wainui Amata Rugby Club last week. Up to Auckland we come, so Vani's coming in studio. And right after the news... The man behind appliances. I'm looking forward to this. John Magnus from Magnus Benro. What's hot, what's not, and what's coming. Johnny, after the news. Getting you through your workday one hour at a time. This is Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. to 56 Miami um, leading but the lead is coming down 60-56 Miami they need to win to for the NBA playoffs to carry on and Denver just got fouled Jokic going to the basket as I mentioned before the news very excited to have John Magnus uh, that's half of the Magnus Benro title Johnny Magnus you've been in business since 1945 I don't think you yourself have been there since 1945. You're not that old champion. Was it Was it your father? My father started it, yes, in 1945. And who's Benro? Benro was a company we took over out in Green Lane when we shifted out there from town in 1985. So you were both doing the same thing? and then... Both doing the same thing. <clears throat> Although they were mainly just whiteware, we then sort of brought all the TV inside into it. What, in your experience, you've been doing it a long, long time, what in your experience has made the biggest advances, te- technology-wise? The biggest advances? Oh, TV. Yeah. TV. But then we've got Wi-Fi now. Never, we've got Wi-Fi heaters, Wi-Fi on the refrigerators or washing machines. Um, it just keeps on developing and developing. Where it ends, I don't know. Because people can turn their heaters on from their car on their way home and stuff, can't they? Yes, that's right, yes. Just crazy. And we've got some neuro heaters that they've got a lifetime guarantee. So as long as you live, the heater lives. Wow. And I had a couple of cases last year with some heater, two heaters. One was five years and one was seven years. We just sent them back and they replaced them. Wow. Um, Unbelievable. So technology's improved. Has durability and reliability improved? Yes, and durability has always been there, 
I think the cost of a lot of the modern things might not last quite as long or people change them more often. But I had one lady come in recently and <laughs> she said, I've always bought all my things from, never bought them from anyone else. I said, why? When, so she bought a fridge and a washing machine. When we got them out to her place, we found the fridge, their old fridge was 1972 and the washing machine was 1968. Are you serious? <laughs> no, very serious. Um, she had always bought them from us. God knows how, but, you know, they had still kept going all that time. Wow. Um, we touched on, last time you were in, we touched on TVs, and I just wanted to drill down a little bit. Like, you stock TVs ranging from about 300 bucks to about 12 grand. That's right, yeah. Um, I never know, like, I, I click on some of the spe- specifications, and I don't understand. Like, there was, a, you started off with, High def, that was sort of the first move, wasn't it? We yeah. had our normal analogue TVs or whatever they were called, and we went high definition. Yeah. And I would say, John, about when would they have come out? 15 years ago, 20 years ago? It's got to be getting close to 20 years now. Yeah. So so high, so high definition. Yeah. I bought my first 40 inch Samsung plasma TV. It weighed half a ton, it was high def, and it was three and a half grand 20 years ago. And now you can buy. Most of the 65-inch top of the range from between four and 6,000. And it's the picture and the brightness that is so much better today. The sound is still good, but it's the picture and brightness that is the big thing that's changed and improved over the years. I, one of the very first and early episodes that I had as a young fellow when I'd started work, the old man had bought the first black and white TV on wheels, mm-hmm. and console they called it. And on this Friday night he asked me to go and pick it up. So I went down there and he had, because he had all the photographers waiting at Eaton Terrace where the shop was in those days. So they put it in, and as I'm driving back up Exmouth Street, I thought, all oh, the lights changed, I better wait. I hadn't tied, as a young fella, hadn't tied the TV on. <laughs> Boom. No. Just drove around the corner. He there. He went before I'd even got out. He pulled the back doors of the vehicle open, and out came all the smoke. Oh, I think it was three months before he spoke to me again. <laughs> so, were you around in the Phillips K9 days? Oh yeah, they, yeah, that was seventy four. Because our first colour TV when I was a kid was the uh, Thorn Precision Twenty. That's right. There was Thorn. Yeah, they came. I can still see it. This, was like the newest, flashest toy. There was plays like Ultimate Echo, Pi, Murphy, wow. names from a long time past. So how do TVs differ between Panasonic, Sony, TCL? Do they differ in quality or differ in depending what you want to watch? What you pay for nearly is what you get. Right. But you can spend too much too. Mm. The OLED has certainly taken the market in the last... 18 months, two years. We're in the process now where the models are all changing over the next couple of months of everybody. Great time to buy because everybody's discounting extra more off to clear the other old ones out for the new ones. I don't think the new ones this year have a a major difference from the old ones. But there is in the price. It's probably a 1,000. I think we've got a 48-inch um, panner at 1895 
was over three grand. Wow. So now's the time. Now, now's the time if you don't want the thing that's coming out this year. But from what we've seen of so far, there's nothing revolutionary in it. So it might be 5% better, but it's going to be 30% dearer. Yeah, that's good odds. I'm good at maths. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so what, what, when we talk specifications, John, we've got John Magnus here from Magnus Benro. Most of our listeners are sport watchers, right? Yeah. So two, two part, I'll ask you the first part. What do we look for if we're sport watchers? Clarity to see the ball. Mm. Or if it's horse racing, to see the nose of the horse. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's clarity really in the end that what you want to see. And you want to see it easily so that you can be relaxed and see it as bright and as clear as though you were there. So what translates to clarity? Is that the OLED? Is it the 4K? What, what translates the to clarity? The OLED is, I think, 40 or 50% better and clearer than the 4K. Wow. So it's a big difference. That is a big difference. Um, and there's such a big range of TVs now. We sell a lot of 75, 77, 85, even a 93 recently. Jeez. What size TV? Like I've got a very small lounge. Yep. So I can't have a big TV in there because I'll be turning my head to watch each side. Is there, is there a calculation? Well, it's not as bad as that. Because they're so thin now, you can just... Have, they're like a picture hanging on the wall, mm. so they don't. You don't have to sit back from them like you did in the old days, right? Because the picture's as good as from close up or far away, and I think it. Um, yeah, the, the bigger or wider is better, um, you know, within reason, I think. But it's it's not a TV anymore. It's a picture. Yeah, and like Samsung have their frame TVs and. With, and they supply different colour surrounds to them and things like that. So if I walked into your shop and you didn't know me, and yep. I said, John, I watch a lot of sport, I watch a bit of Netflix, I've got two grand, what do you point me to? Um, probably an, I'd point you to an OLED, and if that was probably got some there on special at about two, two five, got some... You'd push me up 500, wouldn't you? Yeah, I would, <laughs> only because um, there again we've got... A Panasonic OLED at two five, it was three and a half thousand mm. three or four weeks ago, and sold quite well at that. But the model's changing, so I've got to clear them out. How many have you got? How many TVs? How many of those have you got? Do I have to do it today? No, <laughs> I probably there's fifteen or eighteen of them there. Okay, we carry a hell of a big stock in that shop and upstairs. How, how much do you do online versus foot traffic percentages? Probably 10%. We still are a store where people love to come in and have the personal touch. I was going to say, the personal touch ain't dead, is it? No, I think the online is slowing a little bit. Um, but the it's the personal touch and the personal thing that becomes the hardest, that people really want that contact. And surety, too. Um a lot of people, if you're going to be spending 2000 or 5000 they want to be able to look somebody in the eye and know that if something goes wrong, it can be fixed. And you get the support of all the manufacturers in that? Like if you ring up and say, I'm John Magnus and I've got a customer whose TV popped itself. I say fix it and fix it quick. Yeah. <laughs> and if there's a problem, let me know. 
Um, I had somebody recently that had a TV, it was four and a half years old, and he'd been I knew he'd been away for a couple of years at that time, and they told him it was had it. So I rang the supplier, and they replaced it free of charge. But that's the ability we've got. You've got over, the relationship. Yeah, over a lot of the other places that have got hundreds of staff and things like that. In recent years... What's been some of your big sellers that maybe surprise you? I'm, I'm angling towards, I've become a recent convert, John, to air fryer. It is amazing. Do you sell lots of those sorts of appliancey things as well? A hell of a lot. Dehumidifiers, I cannot count the number of dehumidifiers we sold in the last three months or six months. Really? We'd have sold more dehumidifiers, and we're talking about hundreds of dehumidifiers. Wow. So it's been a hell of a lot. Um, air fryers, we sell a. I don't know where they all go. <laughs> but then a lot of the modern ovens that you buy, can you air fry in those as well? So there's, that's where the oven has developed a lot of it's because you can now air fry in the oven. You've got steam, you can cook with steam. Is it hard to keep up with all this technology? Oh, no, it's like the back of my hand. <laughs> 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 I hardly ever look at it. But. Yeah, it is becoming a little harder. I, I got a son and a daughter in the business besides the others, and I think they think the old man's too old or getting slower, but it is a big big concern nowadays. Mm. And um, and it's got to be to survive. It's a numbers game. If you don't sell the product, you don't get the numbers, and if you don't get the numbers... You're out the door. Mm. Well, you've been a great supporter of sport and particularly racing out at Alex Park. I know you're a big fan of racing. You, you've given a lot to all of us fans out there. So uh, for the listeners out there, where do they drive to? Where do they park their car to just partake in some of this personalised service? Just park. We're on the corner there of Cornwall Park and Great South Road. Just park there, anywhere there. There's quite a lot of parking around it. And normally there's some parking underneath. Um, which I've got a bit of stock there at the moment that I'll have to shift, but we normally <laughs> there's normally room for 30 or 40 cars down underneath the building. And you'd love to see them? Love to see anyone that wants to walk in. There you go. And, Magnus yeah. Benrock. Get onto their website, which I just did actually. They have got everything with all the explainers, but don't buy it online if you're in Auckland. You can if you're outside Auckland. But if you're in Auckland, go and meet the good roosters at Magnus Benrock. They've been around since 1945, pre-Phillips K9, pre-Thorn Precision 20s. and Pre-black and white TVs. Pre-black and white. <laughs> they used to do copper kettles, probably. They probably used to do copper kettles. John Magnus, fantastic to catch up. We'll do it again. Thanks a lot. There is John Magnus from Magnus Benro. They do support Do support it. Hang on, a text message. Um, I'll read this. This just come in before we let you go. Staffy, go and buy a projector 4K. <laughs> Jeepers. Oh, I'm going to go and see John. I'm going to go and see John. I'll tell him my budget. He can point me in the right direction, and I'll report back. John, we'll catch up again. John Magnus there. We'll be back. Vanya Wolfgram is about to come in from Auckland Marist Rugby. Helping you tune out your annoying workmate. You're listening to Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Everybody knows who Bunnings is. They are the great big green, red and white. 
<laughs> shops where, with all your home improvements. But the very cool thing they're doing is this Bunnings Rugby Assist Program. They're giving hundreds of thousands of dollars to the grassroots of rugby and a real emphasis at the moment <clears throat> with the growing numbers of women rugby players making a lot of these tired rugby facilities, fresh and alive and inclusive for our women's rugby players. I'm very honoured to have former Blackfern and a bit of a trailblazer in the world of rugby join us now. Funny Wolf Graham joins us. Uh, kia ora, welcome in. Tālofa, Lee. Thank you for having me. Um, I looked you up a little bit. Just a little bit? Yeah, 2012, you were the first like women's rugby development officer and you had to look after the Blues region. Just you. Correct. How different is the footprint of women's rugby in our rugby footprint now to what it was in 2012? Uh, it has definitely evolved. It has changed. It is still changing, and it's at, uh, changing at a very rapid pace. Um, so that Blues region, it takes me back a little bit. Uh, right, It actually went right down. Fr- so from the top of the island right down to Taranaki was the Ooh. first yeah, so I hadn't been to Taranaki ever before. Hope you got a company <laughs> um, car. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's a whole other topic. Yeah, but look, yes, yes, I did. And um, look at that. Now we have, uh, we did have five regional managers' roles, uh, you know, across the, the country. Um, and now we've got provincial unions that have, you know, um, identified key leads for women and girls. So it's, it's blowing up. Women's and girls' participation was growing even before the Women's Rugby World Cup. What's happened with interest levels after last November? Look, I'm seeing and sensing, because, you know, I'm I'm very much at community rugby level, so, um, and, you know, both work when I look at uh, from a personal, uh, I guess, uh, contributor to the game, so my club in particular. Auckland Marist. Yeah, Auckland Marist. um, We've got girls that are coming through that are wanting to play um, more and more every year. Um, we've got growth on growth. So we only we, we ever only had a women's team, you know, the, the one team. So if you came in and you were a young girl, that's the only team that you can play with, which is still very similar at secondary schools. Now we've got a development team, an under-15s girls team, an under-13s girls team, and an under-9s. So wow. we're just, you know, that's just, but that is off the back of, uh, so if we look, before Rugby World Cup, we had an under-15s team, you know. Um, we're closely affiliated to the Howard girls, so a shout-out to Adelita Sotutu, who leads that space there for us, and the netball girls. But now, you know, we've got three other teams that are... And I, I think that will continue to grow. Um, it's probably now where where other clubs are at for that, you know, so um, having other teams to play against and then... I think there still needs to be some work done in the club space around the women's um, and that, you know, 18, 19, 20 age mm. group. So Bunnings, I, I really applaud them for pouring some money in at grassroots and identifying that a lot of our early clubs, and you guys have been around since the turn of last century, Auckland Marist, um, and the club rooms weren't designed for women and the women and girls have put up with it or because they sort of had to had no other choice tell me about how the women players interacted with the club pre-grant pre-grant you know probably just as you've just said you know it's um we make do you know they they create their own fun their environments that they um or their mana that they bring to the table is often 
within their circles. So um, pre-grant, the girls would play. And, you know, we're talking about a club that has had um, history or, you know, traditionally been known as a very strong women's rugby club side. Um, we've had representatives from the Black Ferns right through to the Manusina, so Samoan international teams, uh, through to the Tongan Fui Fui Lupe teams, and even right through to internationals coming from Japan. So, you know, there's there's a whole lot of history there. Um, we just haven't really had the appropriate changing rooms, showers, uh, let alone the toilets, the facilities to accommodate our girls. So what they would do, they would play, and then we would use, if there were teams at home and the other teams, uh, our men's teams, they would generally use the local community uh, changing room facilities, which is you, you've got to park, you've got to get in your car and drive around. You know, to have a shower. To have a shower. <laughs> if you would like a shower. Uh, but they would do that gracefully, you know, um, and then most times they would make their way back over. But, you know, if it's, you know, the Auckland weather, it's beautiful today, by the way, but when it's pouring down with rain, it's the last thing you want to do, right? You just want to get into the shower straight away. So that's what our girls would do. You know, keeping in mind that our clubs have been made or, you know, uh, built in the what, 70s, 60s. So, and in that time, we didn't have women's teams. Mm. So it's quite a hefty financial cost if you're looking at changing. And it sort of builds a disconnect for having to leave. You're playing on the field in front of your club rooms and then you get in a car and you go and have a shower somewhere else. person that I want to go, oh, can we ask going back to the club? I'll just go home. Come on, girls, we'll go back to my place. And you lose that connectivity to the club. So you won the grant. Yahoo. What have you done with the coinage thanks to Bunnings? Yeah, so thanks to Bunnings Assist, uh, the programme, the grant, we now have um, seven shower facilities, cubicles, so seven cubicles. We will have uh, four extra toilets and their own changing rooms um, that that they can have for themselves. So if there are other, you know, if we've got our prems, our men's teams that are at home, they don't have to get up and leave. They can actually go to their own area or their own, um, yeah, safe area to have a shower, <laughs> to use the changing facilities as opposed to up and leaving. Um, and I think that's just good. Even when I've just spoken to about um, the growth of the women's game, it just enables our club to grow with the next generations to come, you know. So if we've got Friday night um, games happening, the girls now don't have to, and I'm talking about the junior girls, because we had limited toilets, they would have to get off the field, take their boots off, walk up the stairs and use the toilets that were up in the club rooms. Now they can actually, you know, the plan is that they use the toilets that are there open just for them. So these youngsters and the growing number of youngsters joining rugby, it must be so different for, let's say, Let's say I've got a 12-year-old girl, she wants to play rugby, and I take her to Auckland Marist. What does that 12-year-old girl see now as opposed to a 12-year-old girl going in there six years ago? Yeah, well, they wouldn't have had the facilities, first off. Um, it was probably a little bit dim, um, and they may not have seen you know, the, the connection of older players or women athletes coming through the club. Now it's just going to be the norm, right? They'll Seamless. see. Yeah, it will just be... It'll just be the thing to do for a girl and they'll be welcomed and it'll be, oh, this is my club, you know. They won't even have to bother. They won't even have to experience what our women have experienced in the past. So Auckland Marist, um, with these women and girls having 
having their own space, their own safe space. I would imagine just the sense of belonging without even a conscious sense of belonging. It's just happened. And I'd imagine the vibe in your club rooms on a Saturday night or after Saturday afternoon after the club and you've got all these players just belonging. Big question for me, what's the response from the men in your club been to having the women with their facilities? Well, I, I need to applaud our men. So our staff actually put through the application and they were, you know, they really put in the effort and that was no, uh, you know, probably minimal help or, you know, effort from us. They just know it was the right thing to do. They've always held our woman in high regard. So, you know, I applaud the the guys that, um, you know, Tim Hyde-Smith and Waisaki Sututu who have been behind that, putting in that application. Uh, Brian uh, Fox, our chair. Um, so they've done an enormous thing um, and we will be grateful for that for years to come, you know. Um, so and, and with our, our men on our board, um, we've got semi-finals coming up this weekend. So they're out there now trying to prepare for that. And, you know, and it's also almost like very normal for our club to look at the drawer and know when the women are at home, that they'll be on number one uh, almost without any sort of, you know, a nudge from me, you know. Um, so um, our men are very, very supportive. That's awesome. That's awesome. So the other clubs around there um, would massively benefit. You're like the endorsement of this Bunnings Rugby Assist program. Tell the clubs out there that haven't applied why they should. Look, if if we look at our clubs, and, and not many clubs have a surplus um, you know, fund uh, handy or they have access to funding streams, um, everybody uh, who are looking to revamp or you know looking at showers facilities toilets um or even a you know and just a splash of paint for the girls changing rooms this is going to enable your club to be to to welcome more of your women's teams to accommodate for your women's and girls teams for not just now but for for the future generations to come so if you haven't already get in there apply for the bunnings assist um, grant um, they are looking to help the game worldwide, uh, and and you know obviously here in New Zealand. So, you know, I've really encouraged clubs to actually have a look and put in their applications and improve the vibe of your club rooms too. Because we all know when the music starts, who dances first? <laughs> the woman. Who sings first? The woman. Yeah, Just absolutely. Much more social, much more enjoyable. Vanya, really appreciate you coming in. So, folks out there that are part of all of these clubs. Get, just Google Bunnings Rugby Assist. That's the easiest way to find it. Get an application in, and it's a game changer. Look, it's not huge amounts of money, but, man, it shifts the dial for these women and girls that want to play the greatest game of rugby. So uh, Auckland Marist Rugby Club, get your girls along there. Get them introduced to Vanya as well, and they will see them right. Vanya, thanks for joining us. Oh, thank you for having me. Let's go and find out what's happening in the news with Johnny Mack. Everybody go respect the shooter. Quite enjoyed that last half hour, Sammy, with uh, Johnny Magnus. Like, I'm, I don't know about. I'm a. I'm a <laughs> I love technology, but I don't fully understand it. And so I always feel like I'm learning something when I talk to John Mingus. And I am going to go down to a showroom and have a look because I'm just just looking on as... They've got 79 different models of TVs. 
that's yeah that's a lot of TVs fits everyone's budgets like right from I think the cheapest was just under 300 up to 12 grand now I'm not going to buy a 77 inch because I don't know I'll get it in my door isn't it funny like um, I remember mum and dad getting like a 36 inch or something back in the like you know maybe 10 years ago now and just when they put that in their living room I was like this thing is huge this thing is massive compared to what we had our first TV was black and white yeah and its brand started with N, and I can't remember. But to change the channel, there was a big plastic dial on the side mm. of the um, side of the wooden cabinet, and a huge boombox speaker at the bottom. And to go TV One, well, that's all we had TV One. But when TV Two came in, which was South Pacific Television, you had to go click click with the big thing, and then it had this grey thing in the middle, and you pushed it into fine tune. <laughs> and then that was. Um, 26 inch black and white and then we got our first colour TV the Thorn Precision 20 a 20 inch TV and it had one it's amazing I can remember this but I just stared at it all the time and it had volume colour contrast they were the only three controls you had two channels sport on one midday till six every Saturday and I lay on the ground and watched it every Saturday I wanted to be a sport on one presenter from when I was just this minion. Wow, well, you you know, getting there. <laughs> getting there. <laughs> yeah. Get them back. A couple of years, couple of years. But yeah, it's just um, the, the OLED, the 4K. So, you know, I just talked to John in the ad break and he just said OLED is just a game changer. See, OLED to me is just grits. What is it? You know. Well, and you know, I wonder too if um, I'm sure Magnus Benro will get in behind the, uh, the new Apple VR headsets where, you know, you'll just be. Sitting on your couch with a with a, vi- with a visor on, yeah, but that's what everyone says. People yeah. buy twenty four hour all around the clock news on on TV. Nah, no way. No one's going to nah, watch no one's that. Watch it. No one's going to watch that. Yeah, it's true. I, I I can't imagine. I'm not saying I won't do it, but it just seems too far fetched for me to put something on over my eyes and turn my head and I'm courtside at a basketball or a imagine. You've just given me a thought. Imagine if I transported. Back to let's say nineteen ninety five. Mm. What was the name of the ground where Manawatu, or is the name of the ground that Manawatu well, plays? It used at? to be the Oval. The Oval, yep. right? So I tra- I transport you back to nineteen ninety five. The Oval, mm. Manawatu, packed house, packed house, packed house, which mm. is what 10, 10, 14, 000? 12-ish, 12 thousand, twelve ish, twelve and a half thousand, packed house. It's Manawatu v Wellington. Okay, <sighs> just an absolute picture. I'm sitting next to you. We're sitting on the chairs, and I go, Steph, I'm from the future, and you go, Yeah, and I go. What if I told you in 20 years this would be dead? <laughs> what would you say? You'd be like, no, no way. NPC? No, no, can't you have me on? And I was like, you know that super rugby thing they've just started? Yeah, that'll never catch on. <laughs> That's going to be the only thing, really. I mean, and actually, the All Blacks are going to be the only thing people care about anymore. NPC's just going to die away. Well, what the matter with two? Get, get, out, get out of here, mate. You, you have me on. And what if I also told you, Steph, that we wouldn't win a World Cup for 24 years? No, you're right. No, 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 no. Now, you, now you, I don't believe you're from the future because you're telling Paul. Imagine that, eh? Imagine all the things you could go back and say that people would just have, would absolutely not believe. Oh, the NEC TV, grown from the water up. Yes, the NEC. And they also brought out pooey little stereos. Staffy, I remember waking up every morning to look up Teletext to check the sports results. Oh, Teletext. I used to check Teletext for the centipede odds before 
the TAB was around. Yeah, Teletext, my uh, gramps, son, he used to always scroll through the Teletext for stocks and all sorts. I think Teletext only finished within the last two years. Correct. He was still using it like maybe seven or eight years ago. So, yeah. Oh, yeah, you could read sports results and news. Yeah, yeah. and you do your weather. stocks. You can, I'm pretty sure you could trade your stocks through it. Maybe. No, know, you maybe, couldn't maybe. trade your maybe stocks. Maybe it wasn't interactive. But anyway, he, he used that quite a lot. Anyway. Scoring the basketball Please. is uh, they're doing a slow a bunch of Jimmy buckets not hitting buckets Jimmy buckets I would say is at a very low percentage are we about to get underway in the fourth quarter he says nah Pat. it's already it's already in the fourth okay oh it's uh, so Jimmy buckets has two field goals from twelve attempts just eight points so he must have got four from the uh, charity stripe. 76 Miami, 81 Denver have found the lead. Are we six and a half minutes away from crowning the Denver Nuggets to their first ever NBA championship? Wow, big result. You also got to... um, It's funny because Denver and Miami are not what you would call traditional markets no, for NBA. Not. So you think about it from an NBA's point of view, and I don't want to sort of buy into a conspiracy theory here, but they would rather have... Lakers Celtics. Correct. Or or a, another big market team. So your LA's, maybe Chicago's, uh, certainly Boston's, your New York's. I mean, New York is, is the big one yes, for them. Yes. So it's funny, you've got two teams here that aren't really what you would call big market teams. Mm. And one of them is about to win for the very first time ever. Interesting. this morning... Um, Didn't Tony, just jinx it. <coughs> Tony Kemp... Uh, Former Warriors coach. Is he in Kempe for Brick? Former, Former Newcastle Knight. Newcastle Knight played Kiwi. six, three, four, one. Um the half that could do it all. <laughs> Kick run pass. Yeah. Um he suggested that if Denver win this, Jokic is up there with LeBron and Michael Jones. What's your reaction to that? Michael Jones. <laughs> I was going to say, <laughs> the Michael Jordan. Man. Michael Jordan uh, and LeBron. He's, well, he's up there with him. Unfortunately, Tony, that's a terrible take. Um, and I'll just revoke your opinion pass for three days. You can take a break. If they win today, could you bring it up on running it straight tomorrow? Well, I don't know if he's going to join me for running it straight because I think he's he's over in Australia. He's up in Newcastle, actually, speaking of. Mm. Yeah, having a good time up there. Um, um, now, so NBA's on. Yes, Something sir. we haven't touched on is the Stanley Cup, and it's amazing how you just stop talking about it when the Bruins got knocked out. <laughs> yeah, it's very true. What stage are we at? Well, we're in the we're in the finals. We're in the it's the same as the NBA. It runs pretty much at the exact same time. So we've got game five tomorrow. So this is game five here in the NBA. We've got game five tomorrow in the NHL. And what's the series score in that? Vegas so are up three one. That's so, the new team. Well, newish, new-ish. five years old. Um, and once again, you've got two non-traditional markets in Florida and Las Vegas. And I was actually talking to Brad Lewis about it this morning. The story around Vegas is quite incredible. Like that, and you know this, Steph, because you went to Vegas. Mm. Vegas is not a traditional city. Like no. they don't have they have people that live there, but more often they're not their workers for the the bustling metropolis that is Las Vegas. You know, it's not like a, a an Auckland or a Wellington or whatever. And so they've never really adopted sports teams because it's not like everyone in the town is really proud to be from Las Vegas and they all go to the sports team with it. But they did for the vac- for the Knights, for the ice hockey team. Like That's sold out since they started back in 2018. Because that's their first one. Pretty much. I mean, they've had the Raiders right over the years, the Las Vegas Raiders. But they, um, they, they sold it out in the first year, 2018. They made the Stanley Cup finals in their first year, which is just incredible for an expansion team. And here they are on the cusp of winning the whole thing, five years. It's a remarkable that an expansion team can win within five years. It I, really is. I talk like, imagine the Warriors winning in 2000. Like, oh, we nearly did do it, I guess, for seven years. But it is pretty remarkable to turn around, to yeah, turn up that quickly when teams like the Denver Nuggets have been around for 60 years and haven't won once. Mm. I talked to Kevin Barry about living in Las Vegas, and I said, how often do you go to strip? Never. 
he, he just goes to the Las Vegas Strip for MMA fights, world title fights and all that sort of stuff. Mm. And he said, you have to understand that there's Las Vegas that the whole world knows about. Yes. And that's the strip and the casinos and the shows and it's fantastic for a holiday. And then there's where the residents live, which is sort of out to the right. Mm-hmm. Um, sort of inland. Well, it's all inland, but to mm. the right if you're looking from down the strip it's out to the right and he lives out there and these communities and schools and and all that sort of stuff and then bugger me the next day I met a girl on a plane who lived born bred born raised Las Vegas was a nurse in the local hospital wow and that's her hometown okay I've never heard that before and she never goes ever ever goes to the Las Vegas Strip. She sees it as two towns, both called Las Vegas. And I, that's, I, that makes a lot of sense to me. Isn't mm. it just in the middle of nowhere, Las Vegas? Like it's literally just a city in the, plonked in the middle of the desert. Yeah, and what I've always, and I was going to do it last time, was that the ideal was to land in LA, mm. hire a Mustang or yes. hire an American car and drive. Yeah, and you, just over the hill. And you arrive, it's a six-hour drive, I think, yeah. from LA to Vegas. Is that right? It anyway, sounds right. But you arrive at Vegas at night and there's the glow in the distance and then you get closer and then there's the welcome to Los. I just want to do that one day. That sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, you go over the, or you go past the Grand Canyon, don't you? No. Don't Grand you? Canyon's further, further on. Oh, I, I had a helicopter trip to the Grand Canyon and then had a low-level helicopter fright, flight down the strip. But we did give you a fright as oh, well. Oh, boy, jeez. Not a big fan of heights. Anyway, Stanley Cup tomorrow, Vegas up 3-1. I think it's back in Vegas. They have a chance to win it on home ice. And cap a pretty pretty big, you know. Fake ice story. in Vegas, 42 yeah. degrees. Well, most of it. The same as Florida, right? There's no snow down in Florida. Uh, show me the mercury. Uh, we'll come back after a short break. Getting you through the day like a hot cuppa after lunch. You're listening to Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Sammy, you're telling me there's some um, breaking news, developing stories. I don't know if it's breaking news. It actually came out uh, on stuff um, just this afternoon. Mark Ellis um, buying some shares in the Highlanders with uh, some former teammates of his. Oh, John Leslie, you must be right. Okay. No, no. Do you want uh, to try and guess? Um, I'm trying to think of. Uh, is it the same era as him? Uh, some are. I think most of them are. Tane Randall. Yes. Uh, not John Leslie. Uh, who else was there? I'll just tell you, John, John Timu? Bla- John Blake, Blakey? Blake, oh, yes, Blakey, yeah. John Timu and Simon Maling? Maling. Maling. Donk. Uh, so the Quintet, along with other shareholders, are all part of an investment vehicle that has secured 11% of the Highlanders for a six-figure sum in a purchase from Chair Peter Keane. Oh, Peter Keane, formerly of uh, Lion Breweries. And Ellis has I been think. appointed as the Highlanders' director. Wow. So there you go. It's not April. It's a very Mark Ellis sort of stunt. Yeah. Uh, any reason to spend more time in the best part of the I found it with solid southern folk needs a little encouragement I'm seriously enthused about reconnecting with the community and with Highlanders rugby that's brilliant that is brilliant so I'm wondering what does that mean does that mean they're going to assist in recruitment what does it mean Sam I have absolutely no idea other than it's Mark Ellis and he's invested <laughs> <laughs> the business side of things. So I, uh, but we were actually talking in the air break. He's obviously done very well with, um, he had the Charlie's uh, orange juice with or Stephane. just juices. Yeah, so Stefan's juice, if you remember that, um, was bought out by a, a big dog and got it, he got a restraint of trade for two or three years. As soon as that was up, he joined Mark Ellis. They developed Charlie's 
and they ran that for a wee while. And I remember being in the pack and save in Petoni, <clears throat> and Mark Ellis was there handing out little samplers, and they just advertised Mark Ellis would be, and he was a big, big name then. Yeah. And he just travelled the supermarket tour, and people were just buying Charlie, and good juice. Yeah, great juice. And then that got bought out, and he made something like 16 mil or something. Wow. It's publicly, public knowledge. Yeah, well, he's done well. He's done very well. Mm. Good on him. Well, there you go. Is that the, is that the resurgence that the or the, the sort of direction the Highlanders need? To, well, look, uh, it's some, some great Highlander names there. And mm. if there's, what did you say, five of them putting in 100 grand? Is yeah, something like that. 20 yeah, grand each. Maybe, yeah. Get, oh, he needs to buy the guardies back. That's what he needs to do. Hey, Dunedin. Uh, last break. We'll find out what happened back in the day. Helping you tune out your annoying workmate. You're listening to Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Here's what happened back in the day. June 13, 2012, there was a very famous World Cup gaffe. South African opener Herschel Gibbs dropped Australian captain Steve Smith at mid-wicket. That's how oh, she's got it. Oh, he dropped it. I don't believe it. That's unbelievable. He was throwing it up. He thought he had it. It was a little lollipop. And the man who did so well with the bat has taken his eye off the ball and the ball has just dribbled out of his fingers. He was about to throw it up. Steve Waugh, sorry. Steve Waugh, of course. And it wasn't 2012 either. Because in 2012, the US Anti-Doping Agency officially charged seven-time Tour de France champion Lance Armstrong with doping, but they didn't charge the other 63. Poor Lance. Birthdays today, turning 52. Christopher Kens, former Black Caps all-rounder. Lockie Ferguson, current Black Caps pace man. He's 31. And Jack Goodhue is turning 27. Williams. Fires it away. Now it's put open up with the pace of Barrett. He's got support from Goodyear. Go, Barrett! Here's the first try coming up. Jack Goodyear's in. Oh. Absolutely out of nowhere. <sighs> Jack Goodyear. I hope he gets quicker. On this day in 1984, the number one movie was Star Trek, the third, The Search for Spock. Never watched it, never will. But the number one song was this. It's your love. Cindy Lauper of Tricoloured Hair fame. There you go. Shout out to Sammy Hewitt for putting it all together for us today. The run home with Beaver and Curse. They're up next. Catch you all tomorrow.